Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Parsha of the Barber. Unfortunately, uh, the majority of this video doesn't have any video because uh, the streaming software uh, just didn't do it for whatever reason. And going forward, I know to always double check. And uh, yeah, but... Um, Sorry about that, and hope you can still enjoy it. Um, yeah, comment below. Tell me what you think, and uh, any suggestions. Uh, what you like, what you don't like, and uh, yeah. Thank you for being here. Okay, and are we, live? we are live. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. Whew, uh, thank you week. for joining us. Smash that like button. Don't forget to uh, uh, refer us to all your, to all your friends, and um, hopefully you find this informative and entertaining. That's right. Oh, you did it the right way this time. The, uh, don't forget to refer all your friends to come to the Railroad Barber get your haircuts. I just got an incredible shave. Not we never shaved the beard, of course, <laughs> but uh, in the back of my head and a hot towel. Oh, Amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, he was not paid for this. I wasn't paid. Right. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm not being forced, I promise. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump into it. Yes. First of all, I just want to give an update. I did end up going to that rally mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in D.C. It was mm -hmm. so much fun. Um, Got to get some pictures. I didn't even realize how I, I got. I actually I, I went around trying to put on tefillin, and I ended up finally finding one guy to put on tefillin. He's like, "Yeah, I'll do it for my dad." And he was like, he was really happy after when he did it. Uh, but there were booths everywhere. People. I had I actually on my Instagram. You guys go check it out. Play hard underscore play hard. Shameless plug. There's a video. These two of my friends actually, three of my friends were walking around with tefillin like hanging around their neck. So you wouldn't have to pull it out of the bag. You're just ready to go. It's like, put on filling, boom, boom, boom. Um, go check out that video. But um, I didn't realize how big the event was. Did they make them wash their hands before they put on filling? Probably not. Why not? Where are they going to wash their hands? I mean, it was so easily available. Why not? I have no clue. Uh, All right. I'm not here to criticize. Getting I'm just religious. asking a question. Getting That's religious I'm just asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> um... Anyway, yeah, that was, that was great. I didn't realize how big it was because I, I stayed at the back, tried to get, you know, pictures over there and tried to get filling also. But mm -hmm. afterwards, I saw videos. It was insane. How many Crown Heights were there? I mean, we had like at least five buses, if not more, going in just from Crown Heights. I can't believe you didn't talk me into going there. Dude, I only, I only decided that night that I was going to be going. I know. I can't believe it. <laughs> I should have gone, man. That would have been fun. That would have been so much fun. Yeah, you probably would have liked it. It's true. Um, okay. So, um, next week's, this, this week's Parsha is Vayetze. Correct. Um, we find this in the bear sheet. What? It's part of Bereshit. You'll find Vayetze in Bereshit. Correct. Okay. That is correct. 
Um, I could so, never get used to that, man. Bereshit. Not Bereshis. I know, I know, I know, I know. Bereshis! Yes, yes, keep going. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll make the real while we're roasting each other for our abnormal pronunciations. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Yemenites are laughing at both of us. I know, right? <laughs> okay, let's talk about Ayitzi. Yeah, ready? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the details and we're going to go into some juicy Parsha yes. content. Okay, so the name of the Parsha is Ayitzi, meaning he left. Why? Because Yaakov ran away from Esav after he had uh, very cleverly and a little bit deceptive, deceptively taken the Brachis, which really belonged to him, of course, because he had the right to the Bachero, it was sold to him. He go. He leaves Be'er Sheva, which is actually interesting because they lived in Hebron, right? Right. So the reason he went to Be'er Sheva actually was because he uh, had first gone. He wasn't sure if he wanted to leave, and then he left from Be'er Sheva eventually because he had went to um, sort of get permission from Hashem to leave, even though his parents said he could leave. But he, you know, he didn't want to leave Eretz Yisrael because it's so holy. Anyway, so it's just... Uh, it's in Beersheba where he had that vision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the staircase to heaven and, and angels singing and all that. Yeah, but, well, that's a funny thing because it also... It ends up being that Hashem actually put the entire Eretz Yisrael under Yaakov when he was sleeping. Right. Because that way he would actually be able to have acquired the entire Eretz Yisrael. We'll talk about that. And that obviously is very time appropriate to... What uh, is going on now? The Zerushim Shon says that that was when the whole world got pillars. Because before that, the whole world on a spiritual level was hanging by a thread. Hashem was 50-50, whether to destroy it or leave it. And when, uh, when Yaakov came there and the 12 stones became one big stone, mm -hmm. that's when it says that the world got confirmation. It was as if it was pillars that grew into this world to keep it up, to, 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 to keep it up. Yeah, I read that. I read that also. I also read it to Jesh Mishon. Yeah, that was so like... in other words, if Yaakov didn't make it there and Esav uh, succeeded before Yaakov was able to leave or do any of these things, that means Hashem would have destroyed the whole world. There would world have been no confirmation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, I remember reading that. It's so funny. See, now we, now we can compare notes. You read it where in the in the book I gave you? No, no. Did I you bought... even open that book? <laughs> yeah, I did open the book. Um, you know, it's not even fair for me to to put you on a spot like this because I have a book over there that's been there for over a year and I haven't even opened it. No, no. no. So I, I actually have. The thing is that that book has like little snippets. I I bought like I'm buying the set slowly. So, but it's I didn't realize how deep Zerushim goes. Oh yeah, he goes deep. The one I gave you doesn't even doesn't do it justice. No, because the, he, the safer I bought recently, the whole collection. Whoa. Yeah, because what he does is he'll make like it's like a whole sermon, and he basically brings up like a bunch of things in Torah, one after the other after the other, and he ties it all together to to answer his first question. He has a question, and then he brings proofs from all these other things. It's actually incredible. You got to keep up. Yeah, you got to keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's see. Um, oh, so let's go back to the parasha, right? So, 
he, you're right, he ends up going to Beresheva. He, he ends up, you know, uh, the, the sun comes down early and there's a, and he has a dream. He falls asleep, right? He gets the stones, puts it under his head. And there's, and he has a, a dream of the ladder with the angels going up and down. We'll talk about that a little bit. And Hashem appears and promises that the land which he's on, which we just said Hashem made everything go under him, is going to be his descendants. And that is why everybody, anybody who's seeing this, it should be very obvious from the Torah, and if you don't believe in the Torah, then you don't believe in your own religion. I'm talking to Christians and Muslims, right? They don't believe in that because it clearly says that Hashem said He's going to give it to the children of Yaakov. Or for the Muslims out there, Yaqub. And uh, Yaqub, <laughs> Yaqub, just, uh-huh. so just so they're clear that uh, in this week's parasha, it is clearly written that Eretz uh, Yisrael belongs to the descendants of Yaakov Avinu, which is obviously the Jewish people. So there you have it. Now, um, afterwards he raises the stone and he puts uh, oil on it and he mm-hmm. davens to Hashem. I heard an opinion that Yaakov for almost 20 years didn't sleep at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Hashem revealed himself to him, he didn't sleep for almost 20 years. And then he finally fell asleep, you know, with the rock and the whole nine yards. Yeah, That's yeah. when Hashem revealed himself to him. Yeah, so it says that he, he was like, um, he was like David HaMelech, that they wouldn't ever prepare for sleep because they were always learning. Mm-hmm. So they would just um, put their, he would just like be learning and just fall asleep. He right. wouldn't actually have a full sleep. And he had control of how many breaths he would take before, before he would wake up. David right. HaMelech never let himself go more than 30 breaths. Because then you you're 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 sleeping and you have to right. Then you have to wake up and wash your hands. Right. It's, so he never wanted that tuma to get on him. So therefore, he never allowed himself to go past thirty breaths, because anything beyond that is considered deep sleep. So he never let himself to get into deep sleep. So Tamei never got to him. So right. he was always pure. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So. There, yeah, and and and, th- and this is the first time. Imagine he, for him, it was like a, it was like a five star hotel. He's, his head is on rocks. But it's the first time he's lying down to sleep. Um, but uh, and then what happens? So he goes to Haran. He works for his uncle Lavan. He falls in love with Rachel. And Lavan tricks him. He works for seven years for Rachel, and then Lavan tricks him, and and. Um, Rachel made a very big sacrifice to allow, not to embarrass her sister and to allow Leah to, to marry Yaakov. And then Yaakov says, why did you trick me? And Lavan says, because. Hey. Another interesting part that I heard about the same, part, uh, the same thing is uh, um, Yaakov takes out, how many sheep does Yaakov take out from Lavan's house? Once he leaves? Yeah. I don't know. 600,000 sheep. These are the same... 600,000 souls that leave uh, Eretz Israel. So I... Oh, sorry, 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 that leave Mitzrayim afterwards. These are the same 600,000 souls. So basically, he takes out those, those sparks from that land when he leaves his uncle's house. So I heard, I remember learning that, that like some of the Neshamas of Tzadikim were inside in the those, right, yeah. right? But I never heard 600,000. Interesting. Says it, where does it say this? 
I believe he was in the Harrison Harrison Yeah. Wow. So uh, this is the original 600,000 Jews, 600,000 that will turn into those souls. Unless he starts talking about reincarnation. It's insane, right? Like it's so now. mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, and then, so right then he works another, he agrees to work another seven years for Rachel, and he marries her after the seven days of Shev Rachel. He marries Rachel. So a lot of people are asking the question, how is it that if he lived by the ways of the Torah, how is it that he married two sisters? So I actually heard a really good answer. So do I. Okay, oh, go, ahead. Go, go for it, go for no, it. No, 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 no. Go for it, go for it, go no, for it. No, 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 go. You, you said the question, you settle it. Go. So the answer is like this. When a person is a convert, her own sister is not really her own sister. Her own biological sister was not considered her sister. Mm. So both of them were converted. So therefore... Even if he marries each and every one of them, they're not considered biological sisters because they went through a conversion process in order for them to marry a great man like Yaakov. So in other words, because they were both converted, they're not considered sisters. Okay. I never heard that answer. That's an interesting one. But uh, if you think about it, in, if, logically speaking, a convert... He's a totally new soul. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's why, like, someone converts, and technically they don't really have the same connection to their parents or family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, they're biologically connected, but it's not really considered, you know, like it was before. But, <coughs> sorry. There's an answer that, and it's funny, because there's actually a medrash that speaks about what's going to happen when the sheikh comes, and they're going to go around with the cup Who's going to make the bracha on the, on the wine? Mm-hmm. And everybody says why they can't do it. Yaakov says, I can't because I married two sisters. Mm-hmm. So there's an idea that he did technically go against. And it ends up being that David HaMelech is the one who, I think right. it's David HaMelech who says, I will. Right, right, okay, right. I will, yeah, right, right. But the answer that I heard was that the Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they, they were alive before the giving of the Torah. So even though they weren't That's obligated, one of the answers, right? they weren't commanded, mm-hmm. they, they kept all of the laws. However, what happened over here? For Yaakov not to marry Rachel would be a breach of, of, of his promise, a breach of his word. And to keep and to be, to be stringent because he wasn't commanded, so he was being strict. To be strict on somebody else's account and to break your promise in order to be strict is not allowed. Okay, valid answer. Very good answer. So, so, so it's not, it, it, it's, it's, it's that it was a question of priority. Once he married Leah, to divorce Leah would not be correct, right? And, and to not marry Rachel wouldn't be correct either. So in this case, he had to prioritize keeping his word over being stringent. Okay. You know, yeah, now. Um, so the place where he slept and all the stones became one, that's where the, what's his name, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the sacrificial place where, where the, Mizbeach. the Mizbeach is going to be there. Later on, many, 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 many generations later, David the Melech discovers that place. And he buys that place for 600 silver coins. I remember something about this. Now, why does he buy it for 600 silver coins? This was coins? when they still had the Mishkan, right? Well, correct. 
So David Amelech, why does he buy it for 600 uh, silver coins? First of all, it shows you the inflation. At the time when Avraham Avinu bought it, it, it well, that was Hebron. Correct, but that wasn't too far. It's the same land. Right. So, at the time of when uh, Avraham Avinu bought it, it was 400 silver coins. At the time when David Amelech bought it, many generations later, it was 600 silver coins. Why 600? Because he made sure each Shevet pays 50 silver coins because he wanted everybody to have the Zuhut to do it. He didn't want to take the whole uh, the whole uh, for himself. Oh, so everyone should so have a part. So he said everybody, it. every shevet should have a part in it, and he made sure that every shevet paid for it. So well, each shevet paid fifty, makes it six hundred. Okay, that's a good. Uh, that's a good one. I, I learned that. that with my brothers. One of the Shabbos, I think it was like two years ago, that's from so the awesome. midrash. <laughs> Look at that. We get more than we bargained for. <laughs> Um, okay, and then we're going to continue and going just going through the parsha. Um, so now Leah gives birth to six sons, so she has double the portion, right? Because they were supposed to give birth to twelve shvatim. Yaakov ends up marrying also Bilhan Zilpa, and that means that now Leah has everyone technically to be even would have three. So mm-hmm. now Leah has six. Which means she has a double portion and she's getting pregnant. And the other, Bill and Zilpa, had two children each. Which means there's only two, two, two Shvatim left. And she gets, and Leah gets pregnant with the seventh child. And Leah has pity on her sister. She's like, she's only going to have one. She's going to have less than Bill and Zilpa. And so she davened, and Dina's name, uh, so, and, and the boy, Supposed to be, well, supposed to be a boy turned into a girl, and that was Dina. And she named her Dina because Hashem, she she had asked for for judgment that Hashem, you know, not give her a son, give her a daughter. <laughs> give her a daughter. He said, "I know everybody." <laughs> and um, and th- that way, Rachel could have uh, two two of the shvatim. Um, what happens next? Oh, and Rachel gives birth to Yosef, right? Yosef, and Yaakov, Yaakov is in in Haran for fourteen years. He wants to leave. Lavan makes him stay. Finally, Yaakov tells his wives, "We got to go." And they escape. And Lavan runs after runs after them. Hashem comes to them in a dream, says, "Don't touch them." And then they make a peace treaty. Yaakov enters Eretz Yisrael, and he's met by angels. So that is the parsha in a nutshell. Although. We elaborated already on the way, but uh, yeah. So now we're going to talk about some interesting stuff over here. Detail. Yeah, some some details, some juicy stuff. Okay. So it says that Yaakov left Beersheva, right? So there are opinions that say that he left Beersheva uh, on Erev Pesach, right before Pesach. And you're gonna oh you're gonna get to, okay get the door. You're recording. Here, close the door a little bit more, I think. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Ilya. <laughs> You're so serious. Um so, so that's pretty funny. Uh, like seeing you right outside, huh? 
common sense is not that common anymore. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. We get some Parsha and some Nigunan. <laughs> In the background. Yeah. Okay. So, it says that he left an Erev Pesach. Now, one of the interesting things here says that, so if you look, it says, Hashem tells Yaakov, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to ushmarticha and I will guard you. What is the first night of Pesach called? Leil Shimurim. Okay. The night of being guarded. It's a no. Oh, thing. okay. Right? We, we only say a very small uh, amount of, of uh, Shema and we leave our doors open or, or we leave, you know, one lock less, whatever it is. You know, we, we How know. How many lives do you have, man? The point is to, to show that you trust in Hashem. Hashem Don't you live in a building? How many lives do you have? <laughs> Don't go there. Upstairs, downstairs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sorry. You live in a duplex, bro? Practic- practically a fortress. <laughs> no, but, uh, but so, so that's the next. So it makes sense. Looking at the language of the Pasuk, you see that if it was the first night of Pesach, it makes so much sense that Hashem had said at the beginning already, at that date, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guard you. And that's a sim on the button. That's a sign for all the generations after. This is the night that Hashem watches over us. In wow. Mitzrayim and, yeah, and for all the generations. Um, and something really interesting about why he left, why did he leave Erev Pesach? Why didn't he leave earlier? And there's different opinions as to what date exactly Yaakov left. But according to the opinion that he left uh, on Erev Pesach, so the reason is because we know it says that Yitzchak was born on Erev Pesach. So it was his birthday? Oh, no, no, no. Yitzchak. It, Yitzchak was born on Erev Pesach. Okay, okay. Now, what does it say about Sadiqim? That Hashem gives them full years. Esav mm-hmm. said, I'm going to wait until my father dies, and then I'm going to kill my brother. Right? Okay, okay. So that means that Yaakov wasn't scared about Yitzchak dying the entire year. Except for right. on Yitzchak's birthday. Right. So that's why he left then because he said, if in the time of my father is reached and he's a tzaddik, so therefore he's going to have four years, then I have to worry about Asa. Yes, but also there's an opinion that says that Asa never went to his uncle's house, to, to his uncle's land, because his uncle was a huge magician. And there's proof of that. You remember one of Yaakov's uh, oh, um, wives, right? One of his wives does what? Steals one of his little uh, Rachel, right? Rachel stole his truffin, yeah, the truffin. But in reality, you know what she stole? She stole a skull that he used to do magic with. Well, yeah, he, he used to. It says he used to do yeah. All types if of he would have, if he would have found, if he would have got a, uh, got his hands on Asav. He would have become a much bigger magician if he would have taken Asaph's skull, because Asaph biologically was the firstborn. Mm. So it, that's why Asaph was afraid to step foot on, on Lavan's uh, land. That's why. Me. That's why he. Uh, that's why Yaakov was safe in his land. Uh, you said this last year. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. It's some heebie-jeebie stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of heebie-jeebie stuff at that time. <laughs> Yeah, no, Lavan was, was a very big uh, sorcerer. Okay. Anyway, so that's just an interesting thing about, you know, why Yaakov left when he did. Now, you know, you, you know what really puzzles me? Hmm. Why does Isaac tell him 
go to Lavan's house and take a daughter from him and this, this and that. If we learn from this that they had to go, the, the sisters had to go through a conversion process to marry Yaakov. So therefore, the house of Lavan was not the most righteous house. You understand where I'm coming from? Why go back there? Why, why, why back there? Why couldn't there be any other holy people or holy spots anywhere else in the world? It had to be there. I don't know what the answer is, but definitely. Well, it says about Rivka that when Eliezer went to find her, the reason why was because a lot of the other women, even though they would make sure that they were virgins, they would be promiscuous in other ways. Okay. And Rivka wasn't. Rivka was only three years old. I understand, but but the point is that Avram said, "I don't want him to have." to marry Benes Kanan because of how they acted. And it's possible that for the same reason, even though Lavan was, was evil, number one, Yitzchak knew that his daughters were not. And they were holy and they were tzaddikim. And number two, you know, as, as, as evil as they were, you know, imagine how the rest of the world, you know. I, I don't know, I don't know the, the I don't have... A, a, a definite answer, but I would imagine that at the end of the day, this is something on a soul level. Abraham knew that from his family, you know, it's supposed to come to Shvatim. There's still sparks that needed to get out of there. Okay, that makes sense. But once again, no, because they had to go through a conversion process. So therefore, it's a new soul. So how can you possibly say there's sparks that he got, had to get out of that land? Whoa, whoa. You understand so where I'm coming from? Yes. So first of all, the way the Torah worked, the, the way all these things work after the Torah was given and before the Torah was given is a little bit different. That's number one. Number two, it says clearly that a ger, a, a convert, it doesn't call, it doesn't say that someone who converts, when, it's, when it talks about it, it either in the Gemara or the Halakha, I don't remember where exactly it says, it doesn't say goish in his guy, it doesn't say a Gentile who converts, it says a convert who converts. Because a person who converts really shows that it's a whole, a whole time his soul was really a soul that was meant to convert. So, even even if you're going to say that you know they, they converted or whatever it is, that means that they were. The device is connected. Thank you. Okay. That 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 shows that the soul. That that shows that it was something at the level of the soul. And again, you're talking about Yitzchak Baruch so he knew that this was where it was supposed to happen. That's okay. That's how I would. You know. That makes sense. Yeah, your Bluetooth is uh, bugging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's working too well. <laughs> working too well. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so um, now we know that Yaakov, I believe he went all the way almost right, he left, and then he came back. And when he came back, Hashem made a miracle and he like shortened the road. Yeah, he, like, he, he got there in no time. Much faster. Just like he did for Eliezer. Right. And they say, like, literally that means that the, the road jumped, right? The road shortened. Uh, the road. Right, like, 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 like the land moved for him, you know? It's like a conveyor belt. Or, or uh, yeah, you know, those things in the airports, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Escalators. Oh, no, you know, when you just walk. Anyway. Um, so, there's some stories I want to mention, really, really cool stories, about Kfitza Sederach, about 
people who had their their uh, places shortened. This is actually a very interesting story. Um, mm -hmm. So in the Gemara, it mentions something about how Shmuel's father had uh, traveled far away and then was able to, and, and he had um, had intimacy, and then he had, and from there his son Shmuel came. Shmuel was the, one of the greatest Amirayim. One of the greatest uh, rabbis in the time of the Gemara. Hanavi. No, 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 not Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel in the time of the Gemara. One of the rabbis in the time of the Gemara. Right? Okay. Not Shmuel Hanavi, a different Shmuel. Shmuel. He was a rabbi in the times of the Gemara. Okay. And so the story is brought down um, in more length in a different sefer and says this is, this is what the story is. That basically Shmuel's father, his name was Abba. But in the Gemara, it calls him Avuha de Shmuel, the father of Shmuel. It doesn't mention him by Abba. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that. And he went far away. He traveled for business, whatever it was. And when he traveled, when he was, as he was going, there were a Persian woman who, I guess, she was into all this type of, you know, spiritual stuff, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily... Definitely not holy, but she understood the language of the birds. Okay. And she said, she tried to seduce him, and she said, I'll give you a thousand pieces of whatever it was. She offered him money mm -hmm. for him to be seduced, for him to do a sin. Mm -hmm. So this guy said, well, I don't understand. You don't know me. Why, why are you offering money? Why are you doing this? So she says, because I heard from the birds that whoever is with whoever bears a child from you, this child is going to uh, is going to be a great go, grow up to be a great great person. And he hears this, he runs away, and he and it says he uses Hashem's son of Hashem's names, and he got he went back home. He, you know, he was intimate with his wife. He, he was with his wife, and then right away he again did it, used it again to go back. Mm -hmm. Right. That's pretty cool. Right, crazy story. So he teleported basically. And the story goes on to say how when basically she was found out eventually to be pregnant and they knew that he traveled away. So it says that she actually ended up receiving lashes and basted, obviously unjustly. Uh, there are people who question exactly the story and the details. People, I will say people, I saw something, I tried to research it online and he asked a few questions. So technically she shouldn't have received lashes, but for various reasons, even if she was, if she had sinned, but the story is from a reputable source. And uh, actually say, says that Shmuel himself said he had an incredible memory. He was able to remember as, what he, as a fetus, so that he actually tried to avoid being hit by the, by the whip, but he wasn't able to. And he says, I have a mark on my forehead until today. <laughs> crazy, crazy story, you know? Sounds like sounds uh, fantastical, but um, from my from what I understand at that time, if the Beidin wrongfully accused you for whatever reason, and then they find out, they would have to give you a blessing. In general, you're supposed to give a blessing to somebody who, if you accuse them falsely. Um, but anyway, the, the reason why they call him Avuah Shmuel because afterwards, his father came back and he said, "No, this is my son." And he explained, that, and and in order. People, he was a, he was a very well known man. He, he loved him. Was a great chassid, a very pious man, and so in order for 
there to be no question that this was a legitimate child. They always called him Avua the Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, to make it a statement. And that's why he's always called Avua the Shmuel. Anyway, it's a, it's a very interesting story, and you know, talking about uh, Kfitza Saderich, shortening of the road. Um, there is another story of this, and this is with Reb Nassan Adler, who was a very big Makubal, a big Kabbalist. And um, the Chassam Sefer says that, and this is also something you see with the Bashemtiv, that Bashemtiv didn't, well, it was a little bit different with the Bashemtiv, but basically they would give the wagon driver something to drink that would intoxicate him, he would fall asleep, and they, the horses would just go and they'd be where they had to be in no time, even though it was a very, very long journey. And um, were the horses on steroids? No, obviously the horses, you know, were in on it. I don't know. Obviously, we're <laughs> well, talking. You're, not. <laughs> you're talking okay. about. You're talking about a holy man, and you know, and, and the Chassam Sefer was Reb Nassan Adler's student, his Talmud. And just now we're mentioning this and, and the amazing, you know, miracles that happened with Reb Nassan Adler. There's another time with the, with the, when Reb Nassan Adler was learning with the Chassam Sefer. Adler was his last name? Reb Nassan Adler, yeah. Adler is a, is a Jewish last name? Of course. Adler? I always thought it was a German last name. But maybe it's also a German last name. Apparently, uh, Mendelssohn could be a German last name. Adler, really? Adler, yeah, yeah. Okay. Adler, of course. I, I, in school, I had, uh, I had kids in my school whose last name was Adler. My sister did too. My brother did too, <laughs> um, but uh, so so basically, there's another story where basically, um, Rav and Adler, there was a where they lived at that time. There was a decree that any silver had to be given to the government. Now we, he had a silver. Yeah. So if if they're collecting silver, forget about it. Then their gold was non-existent. No, probably gold as well. I don't know. Like I don't remember if it was only silver or also you know okay. all the precious stuff. But basically, and he had a sefer Torah that had silver coins as a decoration on it. Okay. And somebody had informed right on him. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they were coming to. They were coming to. Uh, some basically they they were on their way to find, you know, to, to bust him, and they didn't know. Russell Adler didn't know. He's learning with some safer, and he hears in the second floor. I don't know if it was an attic or the second floor that there's like like a sound of banging. And um, so he asks some safer to go up and check. He was scared. Maybe it's thieves, but he had to listen to his. Rabbi, obviously, he goes up and he sees an old man trying to knock off the silver from the Sefer Torah so that they shouldn't catch him. And it was another holy man whose name was the Machzis. He was known by the Bal Machzis Hashekel. He wrote a Sefer, and he he loved the Rambam Adler very much. And he made the he made the Sefer promise, and he wouldn't tell him because it would pain him to hear that someone had informed on him. A very interesting story. But in another time, and I think I didn't get the full context of the story, but there's another time where also they came to look up for the Sefer Torah. And Rav Nassim Adler took the Chassam Sefer, put him in a chair in the middle of the room, holding the Sefer Torah. And when the guys came, they didn't find it because he basically threw Kabbalah. He made it that they couldn't see him, that Chassam Sefer could see them, but he was invisible to them. 
He had a quote. Yeah, there's a story of Invisible quote. Exactly, exactly. Like from, from uh, what's his name? Uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> God forbid, Lahavdil. And, uh, <laughs> and um, it's like the Rashi, there's a story with Rashi like that, where Rashi also, someone wanted to come to harm him, and he made him promise that he wouldn't harm him, and then he revealed himself to him, he was him the whole time. Uh, it's actually a very interesting story, maybe for a different time. He predicted that this, this, this general would come back with only two soldiers. And he came back with three, but at the gates of the city, a stone fell and killed the third soldier. And he, it came exactly like he said. Oh, wow. Crazy story. Um, yeah. Now, just a few more stuff about the Parsha. Um, it's, it, you know, we're talking about the stones of Eretz Yisrael. So one of the things that, it, that, that uh, is mentioned about, about the stones, it says that there was a certain Amira, I think it was Rabbi Hanina. Yeah, Rabbi Hanina, when he traveled from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, he would check if he was near Eretz Yisrael by picking up the stones because the stones of Eretz Yisrael are heavier than the stones of Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. That, that was the... Uh, I heard that one. Yeah, we mentioned it before for a different reason. I think by, by the Miraglim, by, um, by the spies, we mentioned it also. Right. We were talking about the stones that were at some point big and then became small and then became big again. Oh, we mentioned that. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Moshe Rabbeinu asked him to see if the stones of the place were strong or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a, yeah. Um, now, let's see. Yeah. Oh, oh, and it says that Rabbi Hanina actually, once he, he got there and he realized it was heavier, he said, oh, this is the stones of Eretz Yisrael, and he kissed the stones. That's how much he loved Eretz Yisrael. Um, now, the, the Pasuk talks about how the sun set early, right? Okay. So there's actually an opposite story, and this is Rabbi, with Rabbi Huda Hanasi, who mentioned him last week with Antoninus, right? So actually, when he passed away, out of respect for him, it was on Erev Shabbos, it was, it was before Shabbos, the sun stayed in the same spot for hours on hours. So they could bury him. So they could bury him, not only so they could bury him, so that everybody could get to their house, fill up a, 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 a container of water from the well, and be able to light candles. Wow. So imagine, t- so that the community could properly give him respect and get there for Shabbos. And what happens? Right after that, the sun went down, and then pretty much right after, it came up again. <laughs> so it was just like... It just stayed day, and then it became night, and then, boom, it just resumed. And that means that Shabbos was actually way less than the regular 24 hours. Wow. How crazy is that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting uh, fact. Now, the Ma'amle says something very interesting. In the Pasuk, it says, Kiva Shabbos, because the, the, the sun came, right? It came down. So one of the things, one of the ways to interpret that Right, we just said literally what it means. Right, the, the, the simple explanation of the pasuk is like it says that the sun came down early. But one of the things it says that the malachim, when they saw Yaakov Avinu over there, and it says you know that he had a dream and the malachim were coming down, so they were the the, the angels were saying Kiva Hashemish, the sun has come because Yaakov was considered like the sun because he lit up the world. And. Um, Something really interesting about the angels. There's a, there's a bunch of different. There's so many different things that explain exactly who the angels were, what the angels were. Um, I'm just going to mention a few of them. So one of them is that there were actually some angels wanted to kill Yaakov. Why? 
Why do they want to kill Yaakov? So it if says, he's the son and he lit up the world, why would the angels want to kill him? So again, there's a lot of different explanations about this, but basically, and this has to be taken, I want to give a disclaimer that when things are described about heaven and things that are seen and they're described, they're not actually physical. Mm-hmm. They're, a, they're an equivalent, spiritually, whatever that means, of down here. And actually, whatever is down here is actually a manifestation of what's up there. It's a, it's a reflection of what's up there. Mm-hmm. It's really reality up there, and here it's 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 A reflective. lot of times it could be metaphoric, because uh, whatever spiritually is, is put together in the spirit world may not be physically put together in our world the way that it was put together there. Right, so it's spiritual it's there. Me- right, so it's meta- metaphoric. Yet, it's possible to translate. Mm-hmm. Meaning, it translates into the physical, but it's not physical up there. Mm-hmm. And as we'll see right now, the Malachim know what... It says that the Kisei HaKavid, right? The Maisem HaKavid says that the throne of Hashem, right? There's, it says, Pnei Aryeh, Pnei Shor, the face of a lion, the face of, a, of an ox, right? And one of the things is, it's face of a man, Pnei Adam. And again, it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. But the face of the man... The way it is down here is identical to Yaakov Avinu's face. So in other words, the angels come down and they see Yaakov is identical to the Adam, is to the face, quote-unquote, of the man mm-hmm. in heaven. And they say, if he's so holy, how could he, number one, leave his father and not honor his father? How could he leave the Holy Land? Okay. And there were other angels that said no. They, they, they said, no, he, he's doing the right thing. They, they, they uh, protected him and they, and they uh, what's the right word? They um, sheltered him? They, they were his advocates. Like they, 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 they defended him. Mm-hmm. Wow, my English is going. <laughs> and uh, also they said because he's going he's gonna to end up having this whole land, he's going to rule, he's going to be the, the, I guess, you know, other angels who were, you know, the, the, the ministers of the other nations, maybe it's talking, maybe it's talking about them. Right. There's different sects of angels. Right. Also. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, 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 what's interesting is that it so that it says that Eulin v'Yerdin, that angels were going up and down. So one of the explanations, literally, right, it means that they're going up and down. But one of the things explanations is that down here we see very often, unfortunately, and we're seeing it now in the world. Literally, we're seeing it now more than ever. How People are siding, people side with the people who are trying to tear down the Jewish people, unfortunately. People who try to oppress the Jewish people, unfortunately, for whatever reason, they're the ones who uh, very often are glorified. But up there in Shemayim, it's the opposite. The angels that protect and defend the Jewish people are the ones who are given, you know, who are the most respect. Who, who rise up, and the ones who don't, the ones who try to tear us down, they're, 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 they're demoted. And that's why Erlen the Yardim is talking about. The angels who were being who were being raised up and being brought down, depending on what they had been saying. Um, there are so many different categories of angels. The warrior angels, like the ones that are you know warriors, mm-hmm. are the ones that had human bodies but animal faces. Like well, all way, these once... different uh, gods that, that, that Egyptians had, they were actually bowing down to angels. So they, they, were, they were depicting the physical 
Right. The angels, as and if they, thought they were, they were in physical God. form. But the reason for it is because many generations before that, uh, human beings realized that they have fallen so much that they cannot speak to God directly. They were too low. Of well, that was their mistake. That was... Which is why they started uh, praising all these uh, angels. And angels they wanted, and the sons. And stuff. they wanted to gain favor from God through these angels. But after generations and generations went on, their kids saw how much respect they had before these angels. They started thinking they're gods and they started, you know, worshiping them. Yeah, so so exactly. It's kind of like the 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 idol worship that was done by by going to the bathroom in front of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the origin of that was because these people would be in such a deep meditative state that they would lose control of their bowels. But their kids didn't get that memo and they just let loose, let their bowels loose, right. and didn't actually go through the meditative state. So you see how the service of, of Hashem deteriorated deteriorated from just being a middleman to being serving idols to literally foolishness and utter stupidity. Um, this was the reason why Hashem fed us man all this time. Mm-hmm, why? He purposely fed us man for so long so there would be no discharge. There's nothing to come out of you. So you cannot do this type of avodazara. I never heard that. It's so interesting. This like, is why these women came and intoxicated us first. They gave us wine. Once they gave us wine. We're talking about by Bilam and... Uh, right, yeah. right. So they first intoxicated. They gave us the wine. As a matter of fact, after that, all the hachamim came together and they said, wine has to be uh, kosher and it has to be oh, super strict. Them. Yes. So I remember you mentioning this. So yeah. they had the strongest wine. Don't forget Moab and Lot's. They were they were going. They weren't going off script. They exactly. <laughs> they they followed the same script. Yeah. So they had the strongest wine, and that was the avodah zarah that they had to do. And if you all this all this months you were eating man, you can't do the avodah zarah, which is why they had to first get them drunk, then feed them. Regular food, so they have something to discharge. That's so crazy. That means Hashem already was looking out for us all these months. That's so crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. That's crazy, no? Yeah. yeah. That is so deep. That's nuts. Um, Yeah, so that's what... um, What were we talking about? Oh, yes, we were talking about just... uh, Angels, right, and, and, mm-hmm. and why they wanted to the kill angels Yaakov. were going up and down. And right, right. Okay, yeah, exactly. So, um, sorry, guys, we digress a little. Yeah, we well, that's what we do. <laughs> it's part of our. Brand. Is nobody commenting throughout the whole? No, time? I don't. I think Mendy's not here this week. Mendy's like almost always the main commenter. Oh. Um. Yeah, but it's all it's all good. We need you back, and Mandy. Yeah, so, Mandy, come back. <laughs> um, now, there's another there's another place that cites that these malachim were actually the malachim, the angels, that from the time of one second, let me see where this is.
Uh, oh no, so first of all, it says that Hashem eventually came down and protected and protected um, Yaakov himself. Yaakov, yes, so that the angels can't harm him. Uh, there's another. There's another opinion that says that th- these um, the these angels were the angels that from the time of Noah. Remember, there were two angels, and they were Azav Azar. Hashem sent them down because they said, "Look at these people; they're so evil." And Hashem said, "Oh yeah, if you go down, you're going to be even worse." So, what happened? Why couldn't they go back to heaven? One of the things it says is they couldn't go back to heaven because. Um, they fell. No, because basically they wanted to sin with a certain woman who was very pious, very holy woman. And she said, okay, first give me your wings. And once they gave her the wings, she flew up. And, she, and I think it says that Hashem put her as, a, basically she became something else. She something became in the an angel? I don't know if it was an angel or something else. But she, yeah, it was something, something else. So you know, I always, I was always puzzled by this. Yeah, what's the question? Becoming an angel of Hashem is a punishment or a reward? Because it seems like there's a context that talks about Eliyahu Anavi, and it talks about that he said people will never do uh, Brit Millas again. And then he says, oh yeah? Well, because of that, every Brit Miller you will witness, and you will come down. Sounds like a punishment. Well, it could be a punishment, or it could be Hashem saying... Don't worry. Okay, okay. Uh, again, I could but also we see other texts where it says that a human being, a human soul, could reach such high heights that angels are nothing in comparison. Oh, potentially, yeah. Right. So him becoming, Eliyahu Anabi, becoming an angel is a positive thing or is it a negative thing? You understand where I'm coming from? No, but here, no, because it was time for Eliyahu Anabi to leave this world and instead of dying... Okay. He went up. He wasn't. He's. He went up to heaven alive. That's. It's like saying, "Would you rather die?" But then he or... became an angel. Correct. Yeah, but he still has physical form. That's why he's able to come as, in physical form. He's not the only one that went into that world with a physical right. body. But none of them have become angels. He's the only one that we know about that has become I, an angel. I don't know if he's technically an angel. Again, so, so my question is not. My question is. Is it a positive thing that he became an angel? Because technically, becoming a, a, a servant of Hashem is the highest, highest level of, of serving, correct? It, I, I believe it was due to his greatness. It was due but to at his the greatness. same time, we also have other texts that say that a, a human soul could reach such heights that angels are considered nothing. They're just servants. They're okay. just mindless servants. So, so I don't think he's classified as an angel. That's number one. Number two... When you're talking about, so he still has he still he still has a soul. He still he's not he's not losing the he, he's his not losing physical his soul. was never detached from his uh, from his spirit. Yeah, but he's still, he's still a Jewish soul. He's not angels are not souls. They're different. Yes, same. they have a lot of similarities, but they're not exactly so the same. So didn't change his his essence of being a soul. Didn't change. He just became a, a more spiritual being. But he, it's like our souls. You know, our souls all have a have a have a source in heaven that's that's without the body that's okay okay so so, so we come back to the same so we, we just made a full circle no what's the question uh, his, his time no... to leave this world came okay and instead El- of dying he went up with his body that's that's there's no downside okay. to that at all what i, I don't think if, if you were to put on a scale 
an angel and mm-hmm. a navi. Yeah. A navi is higher, correct? Correct. Why? Because a navi has has visions that angels cannot see past. A navi sees further. It out. has nothing to do with that. Okay. But Eliyahu Anavi was a navi that soon sooner became an angel. So does that mean he was downgraded or was he upgraded? You understand where I'm no, coming no. from? If we're, if we're talking from a spiritual standpoint, angels are more spiritual. It's it's not, not about spirituality. That's this is actually one of the greatest uh you know not so secret secrets anymore of Hasidus and of of, of of Torah, which is that it and it's really it's it's in it's I think it's in Prakavis. That one moment of teshuva, which doesn't just mean repenting for sinning, it means to, to return to God, to cleave to Hashem, and doing good deeds, doing mitzvahs down here, is better than the entire world to come. Meaning, what we can do down here, what we can accomplish, no angel can accomplish. Because we have the physical world. I get it. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, what I'm asking is, he went from a title of Eliyahu Anavi, and he became Eliyahu the angel. No, he never became an angel. He was always Leon. He didn't change. Nothing changed. He did not become an angel. That's the whole point. Otherwise, what's the? All of us have an neshama that goes back to God. The whole point was that he went up physically. Right, but he—he's not an angel. Not an angel. Otherwise, then there's, there's nothing special about Eliyahu. He's like everybody else. He's not an angel. He is a person who went up with his body to heaven. Whatever that means. I have a whole book on him. I haven't even opened it. I'm going to have to open that book. One book or a set? It's like a set. It's also. a whole book. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Now, next. Oh, here's something very interesting. Talks about that Yaakov had seen the different angels. The different angels, the, the, which are the ministers of, of, he saw the angels of the countries that the Jews were exiled in go up the ladders. And they went up as many steps as were the years we would be in those. So he sees Bavel, right? I think Bavel was for 70-something years. He sees him go up the, that amount of things and then falling down. He sees Yavan, the, the Greek, Greek angel, going up and falling down. He sees um, Mo. He sees Madai, the right, the Persian or the, right, the Persian king. He was before the Greeks, I think. Before Yavan, he comes down. But then, when he came to Edom, when he came to right the Rome, the Romans, the descendants of Esav, then he doesn't see him coming down. He got very scared. Now Shem said, "Don't worry. Time will come where I'm going to throw him down from the Kisei Covered." From he's gonna reach the throne of glory, I'm gonna throw him down. So uh, you know, we're waiting, we're waiting for Mashiach to come. <laughs> we're waiting for that to happen. Looks like it's gonna happen very soon. <sighs> right? <laughs> it's all coming to that. Um oh Mizrahi's live. Oh yeah. Okay, let's see what else we got. Oh, so here's an interesting story. I think we're going to end off with this. That um, 
And guys, I'm, I'm really so sorry about the fact that the, that the screen is black. I don't, I don't know why that happened. Um, I had to refresh the, the page and everything was fine. I guess this is a lesson that I always have to check, make sure everything's fine on the screen itself, huh? Is the Palestinian hackers, man. <laughs> I knew uh, it, man. I that's knew funny. It. Well, hopefully Restream at least has it, because it's supposed to record it. At least it was recorded, because I was looking on the website. The video was there the whole time. So hopefully at least I can post it afterwards. Guys, look out for, for, the, for the post. Isn't the creator of YouTube some Russian dude? Isn't it owned by Google? Yeah, it is owned by Google, yeah. Isn't the creator some Russian dude? I so it's safe to say it's a Russian hackers? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, so... So Elifaz, just, we know the story of Elifaz running after Yaakov. That's right, that's right. right. Elifaz is the father of the Amalek. Right, right. So Elifaz uh, runs after Yaakov because Esau tells Elifaz to kill him. Right. And Yaakov convinces him, saying, if you take everything that I own, is someone who's destitute, who's totally... What are you laughing at? You ask an average Jew, why didn't Eliphaz kill his uncle? And the average Jew will tell you, because he took all his money. Because <laughs> he took all his money. But the reality is, Eliphaz is filthy rich. He's a firstborn of eight. Wait a second, let me finish. You said this last time. It was very good. I want you to mention it again. But uh, you're going to talk about the Mitzrayim and Amalek? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, right? Mitzrayim and Amalek? I guess. Okay, say what you're going to say first, and then we'll, we'll go. Yeah, I'm curious now. Everybody thinks that he, he didn't kill him because of his own, that, you know, uh, what's his name? Because um, he gets money. rich off of him. But the reality is, first of all, when he was a kid, his uncle was learning with him. His uncle was his rabbi. And we know there's a halacha that says that if you were to choose, let's say your father lost his wallet and your rabbi lost his wallet. And he says, I need you to help me go find your wallet. Who do you help? Your, your obligation is your rabbi. Yeah. Your rabbi comes before your father. Now, right. if your father is also your rabbi, it's obvious. It's right. a double whammy. So your rabbi comes first. Okay. So Eliphaz had that obligation, that guilt that he cannot touch his uncle. That's first of all. Okay. Second of all, yes, because there's a, he knows that the Yaakov had a decree. And the decree was that his descendants would have to do uh, 400 years of slavery. Right, this is what you said, yeah. And so therefore, his uncle says, hey, my boy, calm down. I understand you want to kill me. But I'm just going to Lavan's house to get a wife. If you kill me before I have a wife or have any descendants, who's going to have to do the decree of, of, of uh, being a slave? You're the only descendant of Yitzchak and Yaakov. It's going to have to uh, be and, your and, side of the family. And, 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 and uh, Abraham. So that means you're going to have to do it. Right. And so he says, I will gladly do it. I take it as an honor to do it. Mm -hmm. You won't. So therefore, let me do it. Let me do what I have to do. And where do we see confirmation of that? Because we never had any, had any conflict with, with, with Amal Amaleks. Never. Every other nation that you could think of, I believe there's seven nations that, that in the Torah says you can never be friends with them, never have a treaty, 
a peace treaty, never get married to them, never take their wife, uh, the, their daughters. I, I mean, unless they, unless they come. Uh, no, uh, it says specifically Moab. And, no, and, so and, Moab, for first of all, Moab. That's where Ruth came from. And David Amelech made the mistake of, of, of trusting them. And, and what did they do? They killed off all his family. No, Which, no, no, no. What? No, okay. So, so first, I don't remember exactly. Mayavi, not Mayavia. There's, there's all, there's like, it's different for a woman over. over no, no, no. Moab. What happened was when David the Melech only had six hundred troops, six hundred of his students, and he was still uh, in exile because he was escaping Shaul Melech. Okay. What did he do? He left his parents and his brothers and his siblings in Moab, thinking that my grandmother came from there, so you have to be my allies. And they promised they were going to take care of them. As soon as he left the city, they, they killed them all off. And they brought their corpses to Shaul HaMelech to show him that we are on your side. So when David HaMelech becomes a king, he makes sure that he pays them back for everything they've done. You sure it was Moab? I'm pretty sure it was Moab. That's where Ruth came from. Right. Anyway, so going, we, we digress <laughs> again. But uh, so you're saying... So what I'm trying to say is... Every other nation that is there, that the Torah says you can never be, uh, be, uh, you can never make peace with them, or you can never be, never be friendly. Whatever with them, it is, it's not exactly. They give, like an, that, yeah. they give a reason on why, because right. Hashem at some point trusted no, them. Amalek to too. Amalek too. Amalek. We don't have a reason. Right when we left Egypt, that's the only reason. But before that, what was the reason why Amalek hates us? What's the reasoning? Amalek hates us. Why? Why? This why? is the reason. Because they waited for the decree to be over. As soon as we leave uh, uh, Mitzrayim, they thought, that's it, the decree is over. Now it's our time to do what we were supposed so, to do in the right. first place. So it was a continuation right. of way back then. Yeah, so that makes, that makes sense. Because now he saw that he's like, you know what, I can't kill you. Because uh, otherwise it's going to be... Otherwise I have to be... My, my descendants will have to be slaves. Yeah. So now that the decree is over, now you're leaving Egypt, now is our time to strike. And they did. And you know what happened with Amalek. Right. Unfortunately, they weren't completely eradicated. But they will be soon. They will be. They will be. Main thing is that it's coming. will be here and everyone yeah. will see. Germany already came out and said that any of these uh, Palestinian protesters will be, will be um, deported right away. Deported so now? Oh, yeah. They said it's outlawed. It's, no, it's I, know, I, know, I know. It's they... a matter of time until all this BS gets outlawed. I don't even. I just care that they they should come back. Come back where? No, the, the, our family, our hostages should come back, and uh, we should be in peace. And Mashiach should come. That's it. You know? Amen. But uh, here, so here's the story. Listen to the story. Basically, Elifaz comes right. Yaakov says, uh, "You could you could take all my stuff, and then I'll be poor. Poor, and someone who's poor is like he's dead. So it wasn't even that." He wanted his money. He was trying to figure out a way where he could not kill Yaakov, but spare him, but right. technically kill mm-hmm. him. So he, so he went in. There was a river there. He went in the river, and he even took off his clothes. He literally didn't have his clothing. The only thing that was left was his stick. Right. He was completely yeah. Right. He had his walking stick. And then Hashem does a miracle for him. There's so he died rider, first Hashem. Yeah, right. So a rider. Everyone knows this one. Right? The, the rider comes, mm-hmm. and. I just, there's something I want to point out, which is very, very interesting and beautiful. Um, 
but a rider comes running next to the river very, very quickly, and the horse loses its footing, and the guy falls off. And he's being dragged because his foot didn't leave the stirrup. Okay. So he was being dragged into the water, and he drowned. So now ya- Yaakov was able to take his clothing and wear it. This river, this place, was not far from the yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. Okay. And he went to the yeshiva of Shem Be'ever and stayed there and learned there. Because in case the family of this rider sees him, I think he was maybe a soldier, then they're going to they're going to accuse him of, of uh-huh. killing him. So he was there. But this is very interesting because at the end of Parshas told us, Rashi says that Yaakov Avinu Nitman, be, right? He was he was hidden. Why hidden? Why hidden? I mean, he, technically, he already Eliphaz already was taken care of. So according to this, it makes sense why he was hidden, because he was hiding to make sure that they wouldn't see him with the rider's clothes. And so it goes together. Rashi saying that he hid for 14 years in the yeshiva of Shem Ever in this story. It goes very well together. Kind of, you know, you see how, it, how the, the, the pieces of the puzzle fit. Um, yeah. Now, all this time, Yitzhak is still alive. Nothing happens to Yitzhak. Um, yeah, Yitzhak, is, uh, Yitzhak was alive even when Yosef gets... Uh, when Yosef gets... We're going to talk about it soon. When Yosef right, gets when sold, he gets he's still sold, alive. Right. Yitzhak actually knew that he was still alive, but he didn't tell Yaakov because right. he said, if Hashem didn't tell him, then it's not my business to tell him. Anyway, guys... Um, Come get your haircuts at Railroad Barber. <laughs> um, really, I would really urge you guys to go and do your own learning. Pick up the sperm that I mentioned here. Zeresh Mishon is amazing if you want to do some, you know, some, some deep diving and delving into the parsha. Oitzer Ploy Satera is another uh, really great one. Me'amloyes is amazing. Um, yeah, just learning Chumash with Rashi is a very, very special thing. Uh, if you want to learn about uh, Gilgulim, you want to learn about uh, reincarnations and uh, possessions and all these <laughs> mystical stuff, Minhat Yehuda, you're going to love it. Is that Yehuda Pataya? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he has a, a Dibuk story, a very big one. No? Yeah. He has many of them. No, one with Shabtai Tzvi's, no? Was one of them. He, he didn't want to touch it or something like that? Or? Yeah, Shabtai Tzvi was supposed to do over 600 years in uh Kapakela and then really yeah so oh, wow. he basically uh yeah, we went we went rectified out. his soul and, and threw it back into the game yeah, yeah it's just crazy stuff crazy stuff okay scary stuff too so be careful yeah 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 we our job is to be the simcha right now may that's right this all this that we're learning all this learning is is dedicated to ami Israel. May we be protected, every single one of us. Amen, amen. Like the apple of Hashem's eye that we are. And um, we see a return of our family and protection of the soldiers in the front lines who are doing the holiest work. Guys, don't stop saying Tehillim. Yeah. Learn. And um, Guys, on Tuesday, Yosef was a, was a protester. No, 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 no. He, went, he, 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 he went to Washington, D.C. to fight for our rights. 
I'm not fight for the rights. Hashem is in charge. I, I went there to be together with my brothers and sisters to help people put on tefillin and mitzvahs. You see how short his uh, road was? He prayed and a bus was delivered right under his feet. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Sadik. Uh, it was actually amazing. I showed up and uh, Baruch Hashem, there was place, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he prayed with a Sefer Torah right in front of him. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, they actually, somebody brought a Sefer Torah on board. Um, I can't believe you didn't let, dude, I should have gone. What can I say? It's crazy. Cra- actually, I, I shared it with Meaningful Minute. They shared it, uh, the, you know, they shared the, the video. You see people reading the Torah on, on the on the bus. Someone's holding it, making sure it doesn't move. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Was anybody making any sandwiches, burgers, anything like that? No, they were already pre pre. Oh, they were already pre-made. Damn it, I should have gone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, guys, it's Tuesday, but, you know, Tuesday night. It's Wednesday. It's already time to get ready for Shabbos. So good Shabbos, guys. Really sorry about the black screen. I hope it wasn't the whole entire time, but apparently it was. Only in the end we, we caught it. I'm going to... Try to make sure I I, I I confirm that it's. It's true. all right, guys. I'll penalize him for it. <laughs> his next haircut, we're gonna. I'm gonna put initials in his head. Seven seventy, right? Seven seventy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, your wife ain't letting you back home. <laughs> Yo, you, you had to, huh? You had to stick it in there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. She's listening. Sorry, I had to do it. It's good. It's good. At this point, it's like a it's a min hug. <laughs> All right, guys. Keep you humble. Yeah. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. Smash the like button. Subscribe. Share it with friends. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, please share with others. And please and consider supporting on Patreon because that's it allows right. us to continue doing this stuff. We love you guys. Good Ciao. Shabbos.